Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Daigle Bites. When 10,000 arrows take flight, remind me that you are my armor. There's always a place I can hide when I am desperate for shelter. Hello, hello. Welcome back to the Dago Bites podcast. This week's topic is very close to my heart. It's probably going to be my favorite topic I ever talk about. We're talking about the swamp of Louisiana, baby. This place is such an important one, and I think everybody has at least a shred of affinity to their hometown. So let's talk about it. In Baton Rouge, one of the places I grew up, I was asked, what are three things that you love about Louisiana that you've never shared? This morning, I went to the Big Squeezy to get a smoothie right there by the LSU Lake. So we went to Big Squeezy and then walked the lakes for a little bit. And I brought um, some of my friends from here. And while I was there, uh, this girl, I had said, oh, could you add strawberries to that smoothie? It's like not a smoothie. It was a chocolate smoothie because I'm so healthy. And and there was... um, she was adding strawberries to something else. And I said, oh, could you just throw some in mine? And she said, yeah. You know, I've had people that have tried that before. She said, but I never tried it. And when she handed it to me, she was like, okay, here you go. I hope you enjoy it. I've got to figure out what that tastes like. And I said, well, you want a little, you want to taste right now? She's like, yeah, sure. So I popped the top off and I gave her a like spoonful of the smoothie and she tried it. Now, I hope I'm not getting somebody in trouble. If you know this person, just don't say anything, Okay. And she tried it. She's like, oh my gosh, that's so good. We leave and my friend looks at me and she goes, that would never happen in Nashville. And I said, that's what I always talk about when I say Louisiana people are the best because we see people as people. Like there's no, I just love that you're, it's like the person that you meet on the side of the road. It's not a stranger. It's your neighbor. You know, there's just a different mentality here about people. And so for me, that's what I love. That's my favorite thing. The people, you can't get better people than Louisiana people if you're not from here. I'm so sorry. I apologize. We have shows in other cities, though. (laughs) I'm kidding. I just do. I love where I'm from. Um, Two other things. The food. We all know the truth. The food is so much fun. And I love the swamp. I'm someone who just, I love going to the swamp right on the outside of Lafayette. There's this little place called Lake Martin. And I, I love it. I just go out there and look at all the alligators, ride in my little Piro. And the last time we were here for 4th of July, I took part of my band and crew. And we went out there and I took them swimming. Now, if you know anything about Lake Martin, I had one of my friends who's from... <laughs> Lafayette look at me and say wait you got them to swim in that water 
what are you doing? Are you crazy? I said, I was crossing my fingers the whole time. Lord, please don't let a gator get us. <laughs> no, no, the real people, the real deal, Louisiana people, they jump in this water. And I was the first one outside. So I'm, there's like a little rope swing in the middle that you can like jump off this platform and swing. So I, sw- I jumped off and swam. I'm a daredevil though, y'all. I'm like, I'm the adrenaline junkie. So I'm swimming and then I'm like, are they going to do it? Are they going to do it? And some people started doing it. The whole time I'm crossing my fingers, God, I'm begging you right now. I just wanted to see the thrill. I just wanted to see the thrill. We got the thrill. I got them in this alligator water. Because everybody always asks me, majority of the time, they're like, do y'all really swim with alligators? I'm like, yes, we do. I grew up like tubing and skiing in the Chafalaya Basin. You come across the bridge and you can see all the alligators just sitting right there on the side. Anyway, I, I just love where I'm from and I had to give them that experience. And so the fact that they actually jumped in, I wasn't expecting them to do that. And then I was nervous because if I get eaten by a gator, it's whatever. If they get eaten because they're following this crazy girl, that's something a little different. <laughs> anyway, I love where I'm from. In Spokane, Washington, I was asked, what is your favorite Cajun food? Now, the truth is, if you are a real Cajun, you can't pick one thing that you love. There's so many foods I love down in the swamp. But this is what I had to say about it that day. Well, make sure I'm from Louisiana, that deep down, that's about you right there. And, um, oh, I think my favorite food, hmm, I love my dad's shrimp and grits. He put the whole block of Gouda, smoked Gouda, in grits, and then he does barbecue shrimp. And, of course, you go get him off the shrimp boat in the morning. You don't go buy frozen shrimp at the grocery store. That's a big no-no where we're from. So I would say, yeah, I would say my dad's shrimp and grits. Um, I also like catfish cuvillon. That's really good. That's like catfish stewed over rice. I don't know how to explain it. Sounds really awful. I love gumbo. And where I'm from, we like the dark roux. And you don't put any tomatoes in it. That's a North Louisiana thing. That ain't real. Uh, you got to have some bayou up in your soup. <laughs> you can't have tomatoes from your grandma's pea patch in your soup. That just doesn't work. <laughs> so we like it. A really dark roux. And if you're real Cajun, like the real, real kind, you either put, you put a sweet potato in your gumbo or a potato salad in your gumbo. In it, not on the side. In Red Rocks, now let's just talk about Red Rocks for a second. Holy cow. One of the most insane venues I've ever performed at. I think I could pinch myself just reminiscing on it. I loved it so much. If you've never been to Red Rocks, um, they're massive, first of all. These huge, huge rocks. Um, They're mountainous. They stick out of the ground and create this incredible amphitheater the architecture is amazing and it's all from the earth how insane the acoustics beautiful there's thousands of people that fill in between these two rocks and the light and the city skyline everything is just absolutely beautiful one of my favorite places but while I was there I was asked what's your favorite sports team as if they had to ask I love LSU. I went to LSU for two years. Woo, college dropout. And my, my mom and dad both went there. My grandparents worked there for 40 years. We have a legacy um, 
being at LSU. So I love that school. In Detroit, Rock City, Rock City, I was asked, what are your three top vacation spots and why? Well, I can't tell because then they're going to come. And the point is to get away. I'm kidding. We could have a big vacation all together. We can go on a cruise. No, I'm joking. Uh, Three top vacation spots. My family lives in Louisiana. So I'm a Louisiana girl through and through. Are you from Louisiana? I love it. I love Louisiana. So over the break, we went mud riding. And the trick is we went at like midnight. We didn't go at a normal time. So my, um, my family has property up in North Louisiana. And we, there's this old railroad track that used to run through. My mom swears when she was a little girl, she saw Bigfoot on that railroad track. And uh, she ended up, they ended up ripping up the railroad. And now it's, they use it as like this mud riding, like dirt path kind of lane. And it connects to all these um, different trails. They're not really trails. They're kind of like dirt roads in the middle of the woods. Um, and if you know like anything about this area, it's not one of the places that you can just go and like find your way out of the woods. When you're in there, you are deep, deep, deep in the woods. And there was this one moment that we got turned around. We had been, we even taken all these, take a left here. We'll just see, take a right here. Take, and I don't know, my cousin is, he is a freak of nature. I tell you what, he has one of those brains that it doesn't matter where he is, he knows where he is. And so he said, hold on one second. He just drove over a bunch of like trees. And so he drove over all these trees and he was like, oh, we just go out right here. And sure enough, the road was right there. He just somehow knows. Anyway, so we went mud riding. I'll probably post some of those videos because it was so much fun. We got stuck at one point. And my cousin had the four-wheeler stuck all the way in the mud. So, like, the mud was up to here. And my sister and friend got behind him and pushed him out. And when they came out, they were, like, this deep in mud. It was so fun. Anyway, so that's one, going home. I love going home. There's nothing like it. Um, Two would be, I love going, well, the last trip I went on was to Hawaii. I love Hawaii. And I love um, Positano in Italy which is a beautiful spot. But honestly, there's a lot of really great places here on the mainland too, like jumping in a car and going on a good road trip, visiting a national park. That's me all day. I love it. Manchester, England. Great city. Great spot. We went to see Manchester United play. That was a bucket list item. Could not believe it. I was asked, how has the culture of Louisiana inspired your music? Um, where I'm from, super, super, super rich culture. So we have a lot of Creole um, influence, Cajun influence, um, which comes from, you know, France, Haiti, Jamaica. Um, and ironically, it's very, it's saturated in French, but there's these elements of jazz. Obviously, everybody knows that jazz is kind of, New Orleans was the birthplace in a way. And growing up, we'd go down to New Orleans and you would hear these brass bands on the streets. And the sound, what I love so much is the environment that I'm in now. It's like 
your shiny polished trombone and your shiny polished trumpet and your tuba that's like waxed to perfection. And uh, over in Louisiana and New Orleans, it's like there's dents in the instruments. There's, they're covered in black soot from the streets. It's grimy. It's gross. But the sound that comes out when you have people that are 15 years old, maybe picking up an instrument for the first time, people that are 90 years old, all different races, all different, um, like women, men, everyone, they just join in together. And it creates this sound that is so deep and so rich. It's like a million years worth of stories all piled into one, to one moment. And, um, it's a very accepting culture in a way whenever you hear street musicians play together. It's like, I grew up, uh, if there was a drummer in the audience that like just ran side stage and got a hold of the, maybe the guitar player that's standing side stage, said, hey, you care if I come and sit in for a song? They'd say, yeah, sure, come on. And all of a sudden, the drummer of the band is getting up to let some random stranger in the audience come and play. And I think that's just, it's, so beautiful about where I came from. It's very communal. We do everything in packs. We, we always have the saying that you're not raised by your mom and dad, you're raised by the community. And it's because if you're running down the street as a little girl doing something bad, your mom's friend's brother's cousin that lives down the street can tell you something about it. <laughs> Whereas I think a lot of people kind of stay to themselves in a way. But even when we would go like fishing or... Um, I grew up in kind of like a rural environment. If we were, would go crabbing, we'd go like to get seafood and stuff. We'd go cast our nets in the morning and then like pull in the, the nets and we'd have these beautiful crabs. We would make it for the entire neighborhood. Like a big old crab boil right in the middle of the driveway. We would have it in, in front of the house and then all the neighbors come over and you just hang out. And I think a lot of people where, where I'm from, in the U.S., people have their, their seats and stuff, like their patio furniture, in the back. You make your beautiful patio in, behind the house. But where I came from in Louisiana, it's all in front because you want people to come and sit in the, the lawn with you and have a good conversation and enjoy a cup of coffee. So it's very communal, and you find that in the sound of the music. You find the history in the sound of the music. Back in New Orleans, the place I love so much, I was asked, how did New Orleans inspire the Behold record? The Behold record is my Christmas record. This is what I had to say about it. If you know New Orleans, if you're from New Orleans, then you can feel it in the sound, right? Everywhere you walk around, there's people playing instruments on the street corners. There's this beautiful camaraderie. And what I loved so much was that it wasn't dependent upon age or skill or um, how much, you know, schooling you've had or anything like that. It's, oh, well, my grandfather taught me how to play, so I'm going to play the trombone. And it's, oh, it's a grandfather looking at the person next to them and saying, you know what, you're incredible. You should just come and busk with us. And you see on the street corners people that are all different races, all different shapes and sizes and come from all different places. And it's a 90-year-old playing next to a 10-year-old. And I think there's something so beautiful about that. It's so communal. And um, when, we, uh, when we started, my label said, could you do a Christmas record for us? I said, no, 
That's a great idea, but no. I was like, I don't want tinsels and treasure, like, t- like cheesy Christmas music. And I said, the only way that I would want to do this is if we can kind of resemble the heart of, of New Orleans and the jazz culture down there. They said, okay, that sounds great. And they trusted us with it, which I was so grateful for. And um, I wanted just the sound of our streets to get on display, to be put on display for everybody around the world who might not have that kind of community, who might not have that um, historical depth and musical depth. I think it's a treasure here. There's something really potent and powerful about it. And it's taught me so much about how to meet people and so much about how to see people for who they actually are. You know, whenever Katrina and things like that happened, we, we lived in Lafayette, but I remember going down to like the red light district in uh, Lafayette and feeding all these people. My dad, he's a good old cook now. He makes the best shrimp and grits I've ever had. But he, we made a big old pot of gumbo and just started serving a bunch of people. And um, we knocked on all their hotel room doors and stuff. And we said, come on, come down here and get some food. Because you never knew how many days they had been without food, you know, traveling from New Orleans. Well, I think it's those moments when you see Louisiana people come together and support each other and cheer each other on. And it makes our state so special. So I said, okay, how do we put that into the sound? And um, I'm so, so grateful that these guys are behind me playing their heart and soul. None of them are from New Orleans, but I feel like they, they represent very well. So I'm excited. I love, I love this. It's my favorite music. It's in the veins, you know, makes it a little different. If you've ever been to New Orleans, you know, there is this favorite treat called beignets. Beignets are French donuts. You put a bunch of powdered sugar on them. They're fried dough. It's a little slice of heaven on earth. Now, there's a couple places that you can get these delicacies. And in Baton Rouge, there's a place called Coffee Call. And in New Orleans, there's a place called Cafe Du Monde. And there's kind of this rivalry that people ask about all the time. So while I was there, they said, beignets, which do you like better, Cafe Du Monde or Coffee Call? I was going to say Coffee Call because that's where I'm raised. I was raised on Coffee Call. I was raised on the old building Coffee Call, the original. We have pictures from in there when I was like four years old, just pounding beignets. But I like them both for very different reasons. Hello, I'm a seven on the Enneagram. So for reason number one, I like Coffee Call beignets because they're light and fluffy and you can kind of have that little outside crunch. I like Cafe Du Monde beignets because they're a little more dense and rich. So it just kind of depends on which mood I'm in. More than is one better than the other. So if you know anything about my family, we like to eat. We like to eat. We like to cook. We like to host people. And I grew up in this environment where food was a part of our DNA. I love our culture down there. My my grandmother, she was a part of uh, the 4-H and cooperative extension um, part of LSU. So she would actually go all over the state recruiting kids and um, teaching them how to cook, teaching them about cattle and livestock and all these different things. And in her veins, even though she was from Kansas, she moved down to Louisiana and immersed herself in the culture. So we grew up on some of the most incredible French food 
She loved to cook. She loved coming up with new recipes. I just remember the house always smelling like thick garlic, butter, flour. I mean, it's the healthiest food of all time, of course. It was just a fond memory growing up, just smelling her kitchen. Well, she passed on that same affinity for food to my dad. My mom and dad, they would cook all the time, whether it's a rabbit fricassee or gumbo or shrimp and grits, biscuits. We also like a little soul food, like our red beans and rice and our rice and gravy. We probably have rice with almost every meal. Don't get me wrong. There was absolutely a phase where we had grilled chicken and broccoli every daggone meal because we had to have our protein and our green veggies. But I love the Cajun cuisine that we brag about down in Louisiana. One of the coolest things that is is coming up in my life, I'd say, but also in my dad's life, is he's able to take that love for food, that love for cooking, love for sharing his meals with other people. He, he used to always tell me, Lauren, you can change the world one meal at a time. You can change the world one conversation at a dinner table at a time. And when you put good food in someone's mouth, it immediately hits their heart, not just their stomach. So one of the dreams that he had growing up, I'd always say, Dad, what's your dream? What was your dream? Because I wanted to see if his happened. He would always say, I want to open a pizza shop. Now, he worked in pharmaceuticals whenever we were young. My whole life, he worked for this pharmaceutical company for like 25 years. He retired a few years ago, and finally, his dream is coming true. He's opening a restaurant in Baton Rouge. He's opening the infamous pizza spot. We used to make pizzas every Friday night on the weekends. It was our Friday night pizza night. We'd make pizzas from scratch. One of my favorite memories. And now getting to see it come to fruition with my dad's new restaurant is such a beautiful thing. I'm so excited for him. So if you're down in Baton Rouge, go check out Matza. That's his new pizza shop. And fill your heart while you fill your belly. I thought this next question was pretty interesting because it kind of picked up a little bit about the psychology of touring. You leave, you go out for weeks, months on end. You kind of have a an awkward, unique rhythm and routine that it can separate you from the rest of the world, but I try to keep it as normal as possible. While I'm out on the road, I, there is one place I always think of, and that's home. So while I was there, I was asked, After all the touring and traveling you do, what's it like to come back to Louisiana? We had a Christmas tour planned, and I said, I just want to go home for Christmas. So we chose to do three shows here instead of traveling all over. And I think it's the best for me personally. Like the other day I posted something. I was just being silly. But we had been traveling for a couple months, and I came back to, to New Orleans, but... I was staying at my friend's house and she was out for the day and I washed her dishes. And I said, this is the best way to reacclimate because it, I didn't even have any dishes, but there, there's something about just getting your hands dirty and getting back to just the simple things. 
I think that's what's so special about Louisiana, is we know how to appreciate the simple things. And you, you can go to so many different places, and they don't have that. It's a luxury. And I think a lot of people can think of us as small-minded, but I think we're rich in heart. And there's something really beautiful about that. So for me personally, I love coming back here because it resets me. It reminds me who I am. And I think we have the best people, but I might be a little biased. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Dagobites. Make sure you send your questions to podcast at laurendagle.com and we'll see you next week. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Daigle Bites ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com survey. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.